are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Friday show for you heading into the weekend. We're going to talk a little bit more about this Alabama basketball scandal involving Brandon Miller. Not too much to say. I'm not going to go 10 minutes on this today. Just some final thoughts after listening to a few television shows and reading a couple more articles on it. We're going to talk about Major League Baseball teams, the successful ones in recent years, and the not-so-successful ones in recent years. We're going to talk a little NBA and what Nikola Jokic is doing to the league right now. It is flat-out kind of unbelievable to talk about. More college basketball talk, and uh, maybe we'll get into some XFL if I have a little time on the back end. We will get to that momentarily. So I'm going to start with some college basketball and... The biggest topic going right now is the Alabama basketball team. Brandon Miller, the star freshman of the team, involved in some way in regards to a shooting that killed a 23-year-old single mother in Tuscaloosa, Alabama back on January 15th, Darius Miles and his friend have been charged with capital murder. We still don't know every detail about this. More stuff's going to come out in the in the coming weeks. It might get worse for Brandon. It might get better. But the consensus is, if you've read enough articles on this over the last few days, if you've watched the talking heads on TV, pretty much everybody has said, look, I just don't think the guy should be playing. Somebody is dead. And how do you think the family of that woman feels that a guy – Maybe he didn't pull the trigger, which he didn't. Maybe he didn't even hand Darius Miles the gun, which apparently he didn't. But it was in his car, and he brought it to him. And the amount of people, and look, let's face it, most of these people are Alabama fans. And and Bama fans, I want you to look at this objectively. And I'm not trying to jump down your throat or anything in regards to that. But I will just tell you, Some of your arguments defending Brandon, you know and I know, are because you have a chance to win a national championship this year if he's still on the team. If they sit him out, you have zero chance, and you're probably not making it out of the first weekend. He's the best player on your team. He's the best player in the SEC. He's the best freshman in all of college basketball. He might be the player of the year in college basketball. Good chance that goes to Zach Eady, but Brandon Miller's right there. He's top three. Without him, you are a 500 basketball team and probably won't even make it out of the first weekend of the tournament if he doesn't play. So I get why you're defending your guy, but I want you to be objective. And if you say, Steve, I am being objective. Everything that I've heard so far, he should be able to play. Okay, let me just say this. Let me ask you this. Bama fans, if you're being honest with yourself, if this same exact story, same exact scenario, every bit of information that you've heard about this case so far didn't involve Brandon Miller, but it involved the starting quarterback at Auburn, would you still have the same take? You know and I know the answer would be no. It wouldn't. You would be screaming at the top of your lungs, you'd be calling Paul Feinbaum's show and saying this kid should be kicked off the team. And don't tell me you wouldn't. 
This is a star athlete that you're defending. If he was the 10th man on the Alabama bench, you wouldn't be defending him the way you are. And look, there are still things that we don't know about this case. But so many people out there, I'm not the only one saying, man, I just have an issue with him playing right now. And I'm not saying cut him off for the rest of the year. I just think we just found out this information two days ago, and then they put him on the court two nights ago, and he gets and he drops 41 and the game-winning basket. Okay, great. However, why not just sit him for about a week? Maybe two. Maybe sit him the rest of the regular season. Gather all the information that you can. And then if you feel at that point, hey, we're comfortable putting him back on the court, then do it. But to, kin- to continue to have him play through this right now, I just think it's too much. I think it doesn't need to be done. It's not necessary. And you are in a struggle here because I know why you're playing him. And we all know why you're playing him. And I know why the Alabama fans are defending him. But Bama fans, come on now. You know it. The same exact thing happened to the starting quarterback at Auburn. Who let's just I'm not just saying the an average starting quarterback. I'm saying this is mid football season. Auburn's ranked top ten in the nation, and they got a stud quarterback, and this happened to him because I'm putting him in the same situation as Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller is one of the top three players in all of college basketball. So I'm saying same situation, make it the Auburn quarterback. Top three player, they're undefeated, they're ranked fifth in the nation, and this exact same scenario happens. You would be screaming at the top of your lungs, this guy shouldn't be playing. So that's what I mean. And if that's your take, then you can't, you're being a hypocrite by saying and trying to defend why Brandon should be playing. So just throwing that out there, be objective. And we don't have all the facts yet, but this is a very, very polarizing case because of that very thing. We don't have all the facts yet. We've heard what a police chief has said. We've heard what Brandon's lawyer has said, but then you can be like, okay, well, that's his lawyer. Of course he's going to defend him. So I think they should have just put a little bit of a pause on it. Give it a week, maybe two weeks, maybe just sit him out the rest of the regular season and by the time the SEC, champ, uh, SEC tournament rolls around in two weeks, then be like, okay, we've, got, we've gathered what we needed. We're going to proceed from here. Either Brandon's going to play or he's not. But it doesn't look like it's going to happen. looks like they're just going to play him right through. Moving on in college basketball, I, I know University of Tennessee fans are probably sick of me. <laughs> and, and look, I, I haven't laid out anything that was even an opinion. It's all been facts. Rick Barnes's history in the NCAA tournament—it's been terrible. Nine of the last ten years, he didn't make it to the sweets. He didn't make it to the Sweet Sixteen, which is the second weekend of the tournament. And a lot of those times, he lost to a seed way lower than him. At Texas, he's lost to—he's lost to double-digit seeds three times in four seasons. So, with that said, here's some more bad news for you, Tennessee. <laughs> you have a hard time scoring. I heard this stat yesterday, and this is the exact reason why you won't win the national championship. Because you know, to win the national championship, to win the NCAA tournament, you have to win six consecutive games. I don't think Tennessee is capable of winning six consecutive games in the tournament. They could play; they are, they're a very good defensive team, but they have a hard time scoring. 
So hard, in fact, there's what, 336, something like that, Division I basketball teams. Tennessee is ranked 282nd in field goal percentage. I mean, you can't get any worse than that. You can win a game or two in the tournament, but you cannot win six games in a row if you are 282nd in the nation in field goal percentage. You just can't score enough. Remember earlier this year they had a game where they beat Auburn 46-43? to That shit doesn't fly in the tournament. You can maybe get by on one bad game, but this team doesn't shoot the ball well enough to put six consecutive games together where they're going to score enough to beat another team, unfortunately. So you couple that with the fact that Rick Barnes' teams have ultimately underachieved in pretty much every tournament he's ever been in, and you can't shoot the ball and you're ranked 282nd in the nation in field goal percentage, I just don't have any high hopes for the Tennessee Volunteers. And you know me, that Monday on March 13th, the day after the brackets come out, that's going to be the first game I'm looking at because we know upsets happen in college basketball in the first round of the NCAA tournament. You know that's going to be the one I'm looking for. Who did they match Tennessee up with? And is that team good enough to beat them? Well, shit. Any team that is ranked 282nd in the nation in field goal percentage can be beat on any given night. It doesn't matter who it is. Because Tennessee right now, I believe, is looking at a four seed, maybe a five. And that 5-12 matchup, how many times does a 12 seed beat the five? It's not even They're not even upsets anymore when a 12 beats a five. It's expected. And not even expected just one of the four 5-12 matchups. It's usually two or three that happen. So if Tennessee is a five in that, ugh. I feel bad for you, Vol fans, because you got a good team. You just don't have a great team, and you certainly don't have a team that's going to win six games in a row and win the national championship. Now, for people who are going to fill out a bracket and try to choose a national champion this year, here's a stat to keep in mind. Since the KenPalm.com, that's one of the metrics that is used to determine national champions and stuff like that. Since it started in 2002, every team that won the national championship was top 40 in adjusted offense and top 22 in adjusted defense. There's only eight teams right now in college basketball that fit that criteria, that are top 40 in adjusted offense, top 22 in adjusted defense. Houston, Purdue, UConn, Alabama, Kansas, UCLA, Creighton, and St. Mary's. Before I saw this stat, my national champion was in that group. Now, I like seeing that because it almost backs up why I like them. I'm not going to tell you who my national champion is just yet or who I'm going to. Well, look, I'm going to fill out more than one bracket because you kind of have to to give yourself the maximum amount to, to, to possibly win. But my national champion is definitely in there, and they are one of the better teams in college basketball, have been all year, don't have many losses, and all their losses that they have had have been very close. But that's eight teams that could logist- that, that could technically win it and fit the criteria of, for the last 20 seasons, the winner of the college basketball national championship has been a top 40 offense and a top 22 defense. So... Houston, Purdue, UConn, Alabama, Kansas, UCLA, Creighton, and St. Mary's. I can tell you to cross one of those off already. Kansas isn't winning back-to-back national championships. They're just not. 
I know it's a wide open field. I know we don't have any dominant teams, but it's not going to be Kansas. So now we're down to seven. So which one of those seven is my pick to win the national championship? I'll tell you coming up in the ne- in the next few weeks. Yes, pitchers and catchers have reported spring training. I think games start today, which I might turn on the TV because I just want to see the pitch clock and everything else, the new rules and the shift and all that. I'll turn a game or two on. I believe there are games that are on TV today, Major League Baseball Network or something. But I've got something for you here in regards to baseball. And it's teams that have been good and teams that have been, well, not so good. There are three teams in Major League Baseball that have had double-digit consecutive winning seasons. So winning record. So they had to be at least 82 and 80. The New York Yankees have had a winning season for 30 seasons in a row. Impressive. The Cardinals have had 15 consecutive winning seasons. The Dodgers have had 12. No one else in baseball has had more than five. That's pretty amazing. I mean, I didn't know the Yankees were at 30. 30 years in a row, they've been 82 and 80 or better. Saying Cardinals 15 years in a row, Dodgers 12. No one else more than five. Tampa Bay and Atlanta at five. They're the next, they're next in line. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, consecutive seasons with a losing record. It's not surprising, but when you look at how much money they've spent on players and the fact that they arguably have the two best players in baseball on their team. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim have had seven consecutive losing seasons. No other team has had more in a row as we head into the 2023 season. Kansas City, Detroit, and the Texas Rangers have had six in a row. Pittsburgh and Colorado, four in a row. But there are the Angels sitting there at seven consecutive losing seasons. And they have Mike Trout, you can argue, is the best player in baseball. Shohei Otani is going to be the first 500, if not $600 million man in baseball after this season because what he's doing is just stupid. You know, pitching, striking out as many guys as he does, winning games, throwing 98, and hitting home runs in the same game. I mean, what? And the thing is, you know what? It's getting lost because number one, baseball is just falling behind basketball in the NFL in terms of popularity. But. It's also getting lost because he's played on a horseshit team ever since he's been in the league. Nobody cares about the Angels. They've been terrible. I just read seven years in a row. They haven't even gotten to 82 wins. So they've been terrible, yet they literally have two of the top. They're in the top four. Otani is the most impressive player in all of baseball because of what he does. Because he's doing something that no one else has done since, what, Babe Ruth? Nobody pitches and hits. And not only pitches and hits, dominates on the mound. And a couple years ago, hit 50 home runs. He's just, he's a freak of nature. And then Mike Trout has, what, four MVPs? And yet the team sucks and nobody cares. If this was a New York Yankee doing this, this guy would be on every single billboard across Times Square. But it's Otani, who plays for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, who suck. And he never makes the playoffs. And the only people that get to see him are 
people who have the MLB extra innings package or locals in Southern California. You know, he's unbelievable, but it's like the tree falls in a forest deal with him. You know, he just doesn't get national attention and it sucks because if this were happening uh, to someone on the Dodgers or the Mets or the Cubs or the Red Sox, it would be, oh my gosh. But the numbers that Shohei Otani has put up since he's been on the Angels is 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 absolutely ridiculous. Nobody even plays offense and defense. And he's doing it and is one of the best pitchers and hitters in the league. It's just dumb. And in terms of team playoff droughts, the Tigers and the Angels haven't been in the playoffs in the last eight years. They have the longest drought in all of Major League Baseball. Tigers and Angels at eight years, Pirates and Royals at seven, Rangers and Orioles at six, D-backs at five, Rockies at four, Nationals at three, and a bunch of teams at two. So that's where you're standing with playoff droughts. I believe the Seattle Mariners broke a longer streak last year. When they made the playoffs last season, they hadn't been in in, gosh, I want to say almost 20 years, something like that. What was it? Seattle. Um... Let me see if it's in here. I can't find it. Anyway, I know it had been more than eight. So they were the leaders, but now it's dropped down to Tigers and Angels at eight. And doesn't look like either of them are going to make it this year, but we'll see. Baseball is a weird, weird sport. And finally going to end talk today, a little NBA talk. We've only got around 20 games left for each team, a little more than 20. I think most have 21 or 22. But we're getting close to that time where the writers have to vote on who's going to win MVP. A lot of good candidates this year. A lot of good ones. We have a current two-time defending MVP of the league in Nikola Jokic, the Joker from the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets are the best team in the Western Conference. He's the best player on that team, and he's averaging a triple-double. Yes, I know. If you listen to yesterday's podcast, I absolutely desecrated the fact that Russell Westbrook only won an MVP because he averaged a triple-double for a season. He's also a point guard. Nikola Jokic is seven feet tall. And he handles the ball like a point guard, but he can basically do everything on the floor. He's averaging 25 points a game, a little under 25 points a game, 11.5 rebounds a game, and 10.1 assists. And he's already won the MVP the last two years in a row. There's only been three players in the history of the NBA who have won three consecutive NBA MVPs. Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, and Larry Bird. Jokic has a chance to win a third this year, and if he finishes the season on the team with the best record in the Western Conference and averaging a triple-double, the only way he doesn't get the MVP is if the writers just decide we're sick of giving it to him. Because there are other good candidates. If the Philadelphia 76ers finish second or third in the East, you can easily give it to Joel Embiid. Boston Celtics have the best record in the East. Could easily give it to Jason Tatum. Like that, he's certainly a candidate. The Mavericks are going to end up finishing fourth or fifth. That's why I don't think Luka is going to get it. And with Kyrie now there, 
he's not going to put up the numbers that he did for the first, you know, 55 games or whatever. But it would be a it would be a it would be a crime. Hell, I don't think he's going to fall off. I mean, you can pretty much just pencil this in. At the end of the season, barring an injury, Jokic is going to play plenty of games to qualify. And you can pretty much just pencil it in. He's probably going to finish the season averaging a triple-double. Yes, maybe his assists dip below 10. He's at 10.1 right now, but he's right there. He's going to be the best player on the best team in the Western Conference. He's shooting 63% from the field. He's shooting 39% from three-point range and 82% from the free throw line. It's not like this guy is just chucking it. He's... He's like the most efficient player, and he's seven foot. He brings the ball up the court. He gets them into their offense. He's doing things that have never really been seen before by someone his size in the league. Yesterday, he put up a ho-hum 24, 18, and 13 or something ridiculous, and they won, and two of their other best players didn't even play last night, and they won in Cleveland. Like, the only way... And I'm sorry, I'll just say it right now. If he doesn't win it, it's just because the writers are petty. I have no stake in it. I didn't bet who's going to win the MVP before the season. I don't have any MVP bets. This isn't anything to do with sour grapes. I'm just telling you. I'm spitting out the facts. Yes, there are great candidates out there. A lot of people can qualify for this. And you can give it to Tatum. And you can give it to Joel Embiid. And you can give it to Giannis. I didn't bring up Giannis, who's won the award twice. And he's having a year this season better than the two years that he won in his MVP year. This is a Jokic or Giannis award, but I'm sorry. If Jokic doesn't win it, it's because the writers just said, I don't want to give it to someone three years in a row. And maybe because they don't want to put it in the class, they don't think he's in the class with Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, and Larry Bird. Because as great as Jokic is, he's had a ton of playoff failures. This team has never even made the NBA Finals since he's been there. I think they made one Western Conference Finals. So he's not, I I don't want to say he's not a household name because clearly NBA circles know him. And I would say the average fan is aware, but I don't think they're aware of how good he is. And to me, he's the MVP. If he finishes 25, 11, and 10, and they're the best team in the West and they have the best record, he's he's the MVP. Because just watch him play. Yes, Giannis is great. Jason Tatum, great. Joel Embiid, great. But you have to pick one. (laughs) Like You have to vote for one. And I don't think that him winning the last two years should be some sort of deterrent for voting for him this year because this year his numbers are better than the two years that he won it. So we'll see what they end up doing. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast. We are back Monday with another Sports Daily. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you!